Welcome to Akatink Unitarian Universalist Church. I'm Reverend Pippin Whitaker, your minister. Akatink UU Church is a welcoming and inclusive community that seeks to create a more just and compassionate world through our actions to bring about justice and by honoring the web of nature of which we are a part. All are welcome here. No matter whom you love, no matter your identity or your heritage, no matter your beliefs or your background, no matter your means or your gifts, you are welcome here in this religious community. And you are also welcome to share in our virtual coffee hour after worship. I now introduce you to our worship associate for today, Sheila Dahls. Hi, I'm Sheila, your worship associate for today. I invite you to close your other windows or apps and devices. Please also turn your Zoom video off to save bandwidth. Now, take a deep breath and center yourself for worship. If you are new to Akatink and would like to talk more about this church, please be sure to reach out to me, our minister, Reverend Pippin, or a member of the board. Contact information is posted on our website at www.akatinkuu.org. On our website, you can check the online order of service on the worship section of our webpage. While you're on the website, be sure to check out our events page for upcoming virtual gatherings and other news. We are here today on our last Sunday, reflecting on thresholds. And what a threshold we are at. Our world is hurting, our country is hurting. Let us sit at this threshold today. And on this day, we witness to the social justice work of this congregation. Let the words of your fellow Akatinkers sit on your heart and inspire you today. Let us listen for what it is we can do. Our chalice lighting today is led by Sheila Dahls. I invite you to light a chalice or a candle and join me. The place where God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger coincide. Good morning. I am Ed Kringer and am very pleased Reverend Pippin asked us to help celebrate the strong commitment this church has to social justice. Growing up in Mississippi in the 50s gave me firsthand knowledge of the inequities of life. Because of that, I've always had an interest in helping others, but with 40 years in the military and moving every few years and raising a family, I just never seemed to have time to do more than just give money. The desire to connect and join others in doing something is what brought Mary and me to Akatink, and me specifically to the Social Justice Committee. Here, I have had the chance to build that community and join others in being of help, so thank you Thank you, Akatink. 
The Social Justice Committee is an umbrella committee with a core and three focus groups you'll hear from today, Green Sanctuary, True Accident Colors, and Racial Justice. These memberships are interconnected and we work together on our programs. Our purpose is to help our congregation fulfill our UU principles by developing opportunities for us to serve in the greater community. You can find information on all of the programs on the AUUC website. You're going to hear about many of the things we've done this year, and I'll start by describing three. We host a hypothermia shelter each January where over 80 of us work together to provide a warm place to sleep and a delicious dinner for 30 guests each night. Second, 27 Akatinkers participated in the Burt Fairfax Crop Hunger Walk, where we helped raise over $33,000 to fight hunger and 25% of that stayed here in local food banks. Third, over 40 members are on our AUC advocacy team, where we work at the federal, state, and local levels. This year's Virginia General Assembly was one of the most successful yet with legislation on minimum wage, gerrymandering, gun violence prevention, and more, all being signed by the governor. Our goal going forward is to build on this foundation in at least two ways. First, as I just mentioned, our advocacy efforts were highly successful this year, but we were responding to what other people had determined should be on the agenda. This year, and especially through our focus groups, we are researching where we think the legislative need is, pushing that information to our partners and helping shape the agenda for the next General Assembly. And second, although our youth and children participate in many of our programs, we have come to realize that we have been inviting them to participate in our programs. We want to change that paradigm by learning what they want to do, where their passions are, and how we can support them. All of this, of course, is colored by what's occurring with COVID-19. The pandemic has highlighted the racial, economic, and citizenship gaps in our society, and we must work even harder to close them through our various programs and advocacy activities. If you would like to discuss any of the programs or groups you're hearing about today, please join us in the social justice breakout during coffee hour. I'll now turn you over to Nancy Davis. Thank you, Ed, and good morning. Being part of our social justice committee has met my personal need to give back, particularly to people less fortunate. This social justice work with the tremendous participation of our congregation has warmed my heart and put smiles on hundreds of faces. I'm gonna highlight four programs and lots of smiles. Founded by a UU minister, Beacon House serves DC's Edgewood Terrace home to many low-income, single-parent families of color. Akatink has been a, a consistent Beacon House supporter with our Christmas gifts, our school supply drives, and generous outreach collections. So many of you and your children picked stars from our giving tree and hung donations on our mitten tree. 
here are just some of the smiles that we bring to children with our holiday generosity. We don't know what next school year will look like for your children or Beacon House children, but I do know that the after school tutoring and mentoring must continue at Beacon House. With Akatink's commitment to racial justice, our continued support of Beacon House is even more important. Several times this past year, our sanctuary became a noisy but focused beehive of activity as our children, teens, and grown-ups put together meal, pack, meal packs for children at nearby Holly Elementary School whose families experience food insecurity. Together, we packed 1,100 meal packs. Here are some of the smiling faces, here they are, of the best meal packers in Northern Virginia. And every Friday when the school counselors distributed our meal packs, they brought smiles to the children who enjoyed our nutritious snacks on weekends when free and reduced lunches are not available to them. Our Holly partnership deepened this past year when Chris Dunkard inviting us to sign up as mentors. 10 Akating volunteers met with our students every week, one-on-one, -on -one, a truly rewarding experience for mentors and mentees alike. Last fall, UUSJ presented our Social Justice Committee the 2019 Congregational Social Justice Program Award for leading and involving the entire congregation in our No Child Goes Hungry Akating Program. Congratulations, everyone. We look forward to resuming meal packs and mentoring when schools reopen. Our food planner in chief, Shelley Brosnan, will be requesting food donations via Sign Up Genius so everyone will know exactly what food items we need to fill those bags. As coordinator of, of Akatink's outreach collections, I experience a joy every month as I mail the checks with your generous donations. This past year, you've already contributed $19,000. While we know these organizations appreciate our dollars, several Akatinkers have enriched their lives volunteering. Outreach collections educate us about the important social justice work they accomplish, such as Just Neighbors, helping recent immigrants obtain their documentation. And we always smile when these special friends and their Paws from People Service dogs visit. As a result of our generosity, we even got to name a puppy, and we'll be following Wren in the years to come. Which organizations will Akating support next church year? Please help us decide and vote digitally now through next Sunday. But before you vote, please look at this quick guide and the more detailed information guide. Visit the nonprofit's websites. Links are available through this week at Akatink and our website. We can be assured that all 18 organizations on the ballot are responding to the challenges brought by, about by the pandemic. Some are focused directly on filling immediate needs of vulnerable populations. AUUC continues to make a difference as we reach out through our outreach collections. And through Student Peace Awards of Fairfax County, we've shown that promoting peace is a cool thing to do. Here are the smiling faces of Fairfax Supervisor Penny Gross and Hayfield Secondary Senior Patrick Cloud who founded Hayfield's No Place for Hate Committee. Akatink has sponsored the Peace Award since 2006. This year, Lisa Hayes, Dottie Smith, and I took on the awesome job of contacting all the high schools in Fairfax County. We were thrilled that 26 schools nominated Peace Award recipients. 
these young leaders will help us live our sixth UU principle, the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. And that's what social justice is all about. Good morning, everyone. I'm Mary Rose Janya, and I'm very excited this year that Green Sanctuary was able to team up with social justice to focus on climate change and environmental justice. Today, we have some slides that we want to share with you. As you can see, we've completed a lot of programs to date. We have done stream monitoring, five worship services, climate change classes and discussions, and a recycled art show. We also hosted two film nights, Paris to Pittsburgh and the Clean Bin Challenge, which is our focus today. In early March, we watched the Clean Bin Challenge with a discussion led by Helene Shore from 350.org. She gave us handmade reusable grocery bags and showed us products that reduce trash and eliminate plastic. We issued a challenge to Akatinkers to keep their trash to one six gallon bin per person for 30 days and nine people accepted. Because of the pandemic, some will have to complete it later. But congratulations to Jessica Larson, Kate McDivitt and Brenna Clanton for successfully completing the challenge. As you see in this slide, Jessica Larson and her family of four limited their total trash to one bin each week. The Larsons composted 16 pounds of food scraps, used reusable grocery bags, limited fast food and carry out, used cloth napkins and cleaning rags instead of um, paper towels, and many other um, things. So here we see the recycling that Jessica did, and um, they were amazed at how much recycling they produced and actually how much plastic they had. So next we moved to Kate McDivitt, and she was also able to complete the challenge in the bin provided. And she's done some amazing stuff. She uh, is a vegetarian, she's using all kinds of products like compostable bags for her compost, tree-free toilet paper and paper towels, um, reusable cloths, and um, various products like that. So congratulations to Kate. Uh, Brenna Clanton also completed the challenge. In 2000, she joined a simplicity circle, becoming aware of how much trash she was producing she started composting and taking other measures to reduce waste. Recently, she was surprised by how many individually wrapped tea bags she used, and she now gets loose leaf tea from a small family owned business. She recommends offering this challenge annually. Congratulations to Breno. Sheila Doles wasn't able to complete the full challenge, but she's concerned about the waste reproduced and she learned about the Prince William recycling and that Amazon bubble wrap can be recycled along with plastic grocery bags. She pays more attention to packaging now, so thanks, Sheila. So kudos to Jessica, Kate, and Brenna for completing our Clean Bin Challenge. They each will receive a gift certificate to Whitehall Farms. And our next actions, later this summer, we plan to tour the I-95 transfer station to learn what happens to trash after the truck hauls it away. 
Then Energy Justice Network's Mike Ewall will give a presentation about how Covanta manages our landfill. When we return to our building, we need fair trade sellers for first and fourth Sundays to support small farms. We also need volunteers for our green team to continue our progress. We look forward to building on the work started 50 years ago on the first Earth Day. So come join us. Good morning. Triacatine Colors was started in 2019 when it was apparent there was a need for a group focusing on inclusiveness, especially in the LGBTQ plus people here at church and in our community. Our faith encourages us to be welcoming to all people as stated in our seven principles mainly our first principle, recognizing the inherent worth and dignity of every person. And our sixth principle, recognizing the inherent, or the goal of the world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. Our main task in our inaugural year has been to renew our status as a welcoming congregation in accordance with the UUA guidelines. So far, this has included movie nights with discussions, acknowledging certain days of remembrance, introducing a welcoming sign, and using our treasures to support a local organizations whose beliefs align with ours. This year we have chosen to work with Equality Virginia in hopes of having Acting become a more involved member of the LGBTQ plus members and allies in the area, including community service and legislation involvement. And hopefully soon we'll be able to have a presence at some pride events we are always looking for people to join Turakatin Colors, no matter how you identify. This is also a great opportunity for youth group members or older members alike. Please contact us with any questions and happy almost Pride Month. Good morning, everyone. My name is Natasha and I'm one of the co-leads for the Racial Justice Committee. We established this committee late last year. I became interested in social justice due to growing frustrations, feelings of helplessness and outrage by the lack of fairness and equity in our global society. As various tragedies and systemic bias continue to make headlines, I continue to feel compelled to find ways of making impactful actions to move us forward. This ties into our mission, which is to promote a more inclusive and anti-oppressive community through action-oriented initiatives supporting racial equity. Our committee determined three focus areas, which include education and awareness, advocacy and action, and relationship development and engagement. So what have we accomplished thus far? We supported Reverend Pippin with the white supremacy teach in service and the discussion afterwards. We posted the Black Lives Matter sign and recognized it during a service, as you can see on the photo. We also completed an evaluation of our congregation's current anti-racism status using a rubric provided by the UUA. We completed it in partnership with Reverend Pippin and the results have been used to inform our initiative. And lastly, we provided resources to accompany Reverend Pippin's statement on the Ahmad Aubrey tragedy that were included in the This Week communication. Considering the recent George Floyd tragedy, our committee will continue 
to work on providing resources both for the personal and community levels. Now on to our upcoming initiatives. We are continuing to develop a study plan with the Environmental Justice Committee, including a variety of resources on topics such as COVID bias and environmental impacts on minorities. We've also identified several advocacy topics that we're pursuing, such as healthcare and ending money bail, which disproportionately impacts minorities and low-income individuals. We'll also have conversations to consider adopting the eighth principle. It includes language around accountability to dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. And last, we'll continue to recommend trainings to our leaders regarding racial justice and anti-oppression. This brings me to our call to action. To cultivate action-oriented awareness, to disarm and dismantle oppressive and discriminatory practices in our world. How do we do that? Here are three suggestions. Get personal. Seek out courageous conversations to further understanding and connection. Get educated. Seek out resources to understand more about systemic obstacles, history, and current events. And three, get active. Seek out ways to constructively act to cultivate change, such as contacting representatives, voting, etc. And we look forward to collaborating with you on these vital initiatives. I invite you now into a time of prayer and meditation. Take a breath and maybe place your hand on your heart. It is a heavy time we are in. And let us be grateful that in times like this, we have the words and deeds of prophetic people, which is among our six sources as a faith tradition. The words and deeds of prophetic people who teach us and guide us in times like this. We are not adrift. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it? that America has failed to hear. Let our hearts stay broken open that we might hear. Let that be so. I invite us, I invite us to strengthen ourselves to witness the pain, to not shut it down, to let us hear now, let us respond with care rather than callous. 
with courage, not fear, and with bold love to dissolve hate. Amen. Given the tragedy of our time, we offer a reading today that's different from the one listed in your order of service. These recent words are from Dr. Elias Ortega, president of Meadville Lombard Theological School. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in his eulogy of Reverend James Reeb urged us to ask and name not only the who did the killing, but also the what of James Reeb. In his words, when we move from the who to the what, the blame is wide and the responsibility grows. In the deaths of Brianna, Ahmad, George, and so many others, we know the who and we also know the what, and yet we fall short again and again to widen the circle of responsibility. As a nation, we seem to continually fail to resist this evil. As a nation, we opt instead to ask communities of color to remain calm and hold on just a little bit longer. How long is long enough? And who gets to decide? Rebecca Ann Parker reminds us that resisting evil is not about personal escape from guilt, sin, or punishment. It is about ending the harm that evil perpetuates and creating justice and abundance for all. This evil is more than personal. It is systemic and it takes a systematic approach to dismantle it and end the harm perpetrated by systemic racism. Yet, ending the systemic evil begins in the heart. I admit it. I do not want to go back to normal. Normal is making me sick. COVID-19 is like a bright light shining on a patient in triage, allowing the medical staff to see what is wrong. I am a white woman and the harm that is done to my black and brown and indigenous kin is breaking not only me, it is breaking humanity. All lives cannot matter unless black lives matter. If black lives don't matter, then human life doesn't. I emphasize black lives matter. I must take a breath. I emphasize Black Lives Matter because Christian Cooper couldn't go birding. Ahmaud Arbery couldn't go jogging. Botham Sean couldn't relax at home and neither could a Tatiana Jefferson. Renisha McBride couldn't ask for help after a car accident and neither could Jonathan Farrell. Stefan Clark couldn't have a cell phone. John Edwards couldn't leave a party to get to safety, Jordan Edwards. Jordan Davis couldn't play loud music. Alton Sterling couldn't sell CDs. Mike Brown couldn't walk from the corner store. Tamir Rice couldn't play cops and robbers. Nine people in Charleston couldn't go to a prayer meeting at church. Trayvon Martin couldn't walk home 
with Skittles. Sean Bell couldn't hold a hairbrush while leaving his own bachelor party. Oscar Grant couldn't party on New Year's. Sandra Bland couldn't get a normal traffic ticket. Philando Castile couldn't lawfully carry a weapon. Corey Jones couldn't break down on a public road with car problems. John Crawford couldn't shop at Walmart. Terrence Crutcher couldn't have a disabled vehicle. Keith Scott couldn't read a book on his own car. Clifford Glover couldn't be a 10-year-old walking with his grandfather. Claude Reese couldn't decorate for a party. Randy Evans couldn't ask a cop a question. Yvonne Smallwood couldn't cash a check in peace. Amadou Diallo couldn't take out his wallet. Ayana Jones couldn't be seven years old sleeping in the middle of the night. Walter Scott couldn't run, Eric Garner couldn't breathe, Freddie Gray couldn't live, Breonna Taylor couldn't sleep, George Floyd could not get arrested. At least these people could not do any of things, these things without being murdered because of the color of their skin. And so because our shared society acts like they don't, I have to say it, human lives don't matter until black lives matter. I invite us to sit with this litany for a moment, to hold space in our hearts for what is hard to hear. There is much loss. Human lives are not pawns to be dispensed. They are not less important than a storefront. And they are not to be dispensed on some imaginary war front. How many are expendable to save an economy that in fact could be rescued with a new or better deal? What a question. With over 100,000 deaths from COVID-19 and their lives estimated cut short by average of 10 years, we're looking at a million years of human lives lost in a matter of months. Disproportionately, people of color, our elders, and those living in poverty, and that isn't all the people who are undercounted. One day, our hearts will learn that it is always someone's child, someone's parent, someone's love of their life. One day, our minds will comprehend the closeness and the intimacy of each life, no matter what it looks like. And we will understand the magnitude of the impact of our convenience. And then finally, we shall no longer regard the love embedded in each person as trivial. Not one is worth losing, not to a virus, never to a racist mind, and not to settle an international dispute. One day, we shall stop insulting love. But we aren't there yet. As the light of COVID-19 shines, 
we see people of color and indigenous people are on the front lines in a bigger and older and deadlier battle than the pandemic. Indigenous peoples who are fighting to keep the last holds of ancestral land from a government and industries bent on stealing it. These indigenous people who time and again have survived and risen against centuries of injustice are now fighting yet another deadly foreign virus and they're less able to withstand it due to the economic conditions imposed on them from land theft and cultural deprivation. This has been our true normal for a long time. Let us acknowledge the decimation of the Navajo Nation and all the indigenous peoples on this continent and around the world by the COVID-19 pandemic and acknowledge the systems implicated. The light of COVID-19 also will not allow us to forget the desperate conditions of immigrants seeking asylum and hope or help for their families. Children are now taken from their parents with an added threat of being forced into dangerous conditions in immigration camps, made more dangerous with the COVID-19 pandemic. It is unspeakable. So no, I do not long for the day we go back to normal. All of our social justice efforts we witness today are full of power. But what you heard today were the stories of a few. Imagine with me for a moment, imagine every member of every progressive faith and those who are progressive and don't belong to a faith community, imagine we all found our way to listen, to listen to community and to answer the call for change with action. We might not get what we want, by the way, meaning we might not each single-handedly stop all the abuse and fix the hurt in this world. It's somewhat arrogant to think we would if you think about it. But what would we do? We could live by our faith. Faith that by acting for love and justice, as much as we really can, we'll be creating the possibility for more love in this world, even if we don't get to witness the impact and never get any credit. This kind of action doesn't have to be a chore, but it isn't effortless either. Think instead of the labor of love. The people we heard from today don't get immediate satisfaction or external rewards for what they do. They're honored here because we have made time to lift them up because we value the hope they create in the world. Thank you. But what matters most is that in doing what they do, they find joy and energy in embracing the world. I hope you heard the joy and the hope and the call to action in their voices. I invite us all to listen to the place in our hearts, deep inside, where our life finds a deep gladness. Not a surface veneer of fun or indulgence, but a deep gladness where you know there is good and hope and justice in this world. There is a place that longing meets the world's longing for healing. This community is full of people who share similar hopes and deep gladness with you. Together, 
we can help one another discover what it is we can do to heal some piece of this hurting world, to create the possibilities for more love. The board has generated a list of organizations you can support if you have the financial means to do so. Organizations that are specifically helping the people and communities who are otherwise neglected by government and private aid including organizations supporting immigrants, indigenous communities, sex workers, prisoners, and more. Is there a meeting place there of deep gladness and the world's need? Was there a gladness when you heard of other social justice efforts today? Did true Akatink colors touch your heart? Are you also quietly chanting trans lives matter amidst all that is going on? The world's aching need is waiting to meet your deep gladness. We witnessed justice today, and still some of you may have wondered, oh, but I long for us to be able to heal this other area of brokenness in the world. Hear that feeling, that is your call, that is the world's need waiting for your deep gladness. Will you answer? And maybe you are most of all witnessing the pain and the outreach, outrage of all the black people in this nation. If you follow the link in your chat right now, you can find an article suggested by the Racial Justice Committee that is titled 75 Things White People Can Do About Racism. But anyone can do this regardless of your racial identity. There are things we can do, and there are things we absolutely must not do for one more moment. Sitting idle is one of them. What is happening right now is exposed more than ever. Racism and white supremacy are not hiding. The responsibility and accountability is wider. Each and every one of us is exposed. And amid all of this, in this moment of pain and anguish, we can let our hearts feel a deep gladness by rushing to meet the world's aching need. But only if we go and change and meet that pain with our labor of love. Imagine if all the people longing for healing, if they all rushed to meet the hurt in the world with their deep longing. Imagine they dared to wrestle with systems embedded in their own hearts that have been hurting people for centuries. Even if they felt powerless single-handedly to change things. This is the better normal I long for. This is our chance for a transformed world to find together the place where you are called to listen, where you call others together to listen, to find the meeting place of our deep gladness and the hurt in the world. And there we are filled with joy, not ease and not convenience, but joy and energy to embrace that need. Here at Akatink UU Church, we proclaim a mission for a more embracing and just world. Let us be the place 
that calls each and all to embrace the world's aching need. Let it be so. And amen. We extinguish our chalice flames. But I will not extinguish the inspiration of this community, the hope that you give to me, to this congregation, to our future. Let us extinguish our chalices, but hold this light of hope as a beacon in our hearts and share it out in the world. Blessed be. Sheila will lead us now in our community blessing. I invite you now to join me in our community blessing with these words of David Bumba. This church is dedicated to the proposition that behind all our differences and beneath all our diversity, there is a unity that makes us one and binds us forever together in spite of time and death and the space between the stars. We pause now in silent witness to that unity. Now in the pain of our time, the myriad challenges, it is right now amidst the struggle that we find our resilience and our power. It is right now when the law is needed the most that we bring it with the greatest light. Amidst the pandemic, amidst the pain of racial violence, the structural violence that has caused suffering for centuries for the black and brown and indigenous peoples of our nation. And amidst an environmental crisis that seems dizzying. Right now is when we create the possibility for a better world. There are things we can do. None of us is doing them alone. Join now in what gives you hope and energy and you are creating our future. Amen.